Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Peter Hitchens is here with me this morning. Uh, we've got a great many things to discuss, including uh, the COVID inquiry, which is now uh, supposedly going to get pretty explosive this week. Uh, former Boris Johnson aide Dominic Cummings is expected to dish the dirt uh, on the former Prime Minister on Halloween, uh, prompting claims he's going to face haunting questions, you get it, uh, on everything from party gates to lockdowns. But also, of course, uh, we've got many more things to discuss uh, aside from that. Front page of the Telegraph today has got Boris Johnson apparently favouring a soft touch like Sweden. Well, if only we would have listened to Peter Hitchens at the time, that might have been a very different uh, kettle of fish. But also, um, Peter, you wrote about Ofsted this week. We're going to talk about education. More interestingly as well, though, um, is an interview uh, or a discussion, I suppose, more, more correctly, that you had with Matthew Perry uh, from Friends back in 2013, I think it was. It's some long time ago. Yeah. Right? Was that a Newsnight? It was Newsnight. Because it was, it was, it was when Newsnight was still Jeremy, good, right? Jeremy Paxman, yes. When Newsnight was still actually yeah. a good programme. But I, I, the, when I went along to, to discuss a rather obscure subject of drug courts, and I thought that uh, Molly Meacher, Lady Meacher, who was my main opponent, uh, who, who looks like the sort of housewife who knits next to you on the bus, yes. was actually a hotshot drug uh, legalisation campaign mm. and, and quite, uh, quite uh, tough in argument. I thought she was going to be the main problem. And then along comes this guy from Friends. I'd never watched Friends. Right. Of course you is it, is it um, Matthew? <laughs> Matthew Chandler Matthew, or, Matthew or something Bing. I couldn't yes. work out who it was. And, and he suddenly he became very animated. Actually, the whole thing took, became extremely enjoyable. Yeah. It was a good rough and tumble did. Uh, well, as I was it, saying it's, 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 it's been immortalised yeah. on, on YouTube. And well, it's millions funny. of people have watched it, many of whom hate me as a result. As, absolutely. Well, of course, as per usual with, with the reaction of social media. I mean, I, I had... should say, though, from the beginning of this, I, I, Matthew Perry has died, and I, I bear him no animus. I don't, I've never resented this thing. I thought he behaved perfectly reasonably in, in, in hitting as hard as he could in a, in a tough argument between two opposing mm. philosophies. Uh, I'm, I offer my, my sympathies and condolences to his to his family and friends and I think I, I, I hope that he rests in peace yeah I have nothing against him at all and I wouldn't have got involved in this in no. the slightest except that all over social media people tried to attack me yeah. through his death and I I felt I can't not defend myself no. and, and leave this 
leave this untouched, or people will think I have no defence. But, but this I is another absolutely example. Absolutely no animus against it, nor any desire to use his death for any purpose. No, but it's another example, Peter, isn't it, of the kind of ridiculous baying mob mentality that exists in almost every subject. I'm now, afraid so. Particularly yeah. on, on social media. I mean, you know, tragically, uh, Matthew Perry died at the age of 54 it's over the course of the incredibly sad for someone to And of course it is. And, and I mean, funnily enough, as I said, I hadn't actually seen this clip. We're going to watch it in a minute. Um, I hadn't seen it. I don't know what I was doing in 2013, but I was certainly around. Um, but I obviously wasn't watching Newsnight because I, I, I didn't remember seeing it. So, uh, several people sent it to me and said, oh, will Peter be able to talk about this when you talk to him on Monday? And I, by the time the end of the day came, I was thinking, well, I don't even need to ask yeah. him. But let's watch now as Matthew Perry uh, and Peter Hitchens discuss the nature of addiction. I'm a drug addict. I'm a person that if I have a drink, I can't stop. And so it would be following your ideology that I'm choosing to do that. That yeah, I'm choosing. That's exactly my, not my ideology, it is my belief. Yes, you do choose. It is. And, it's, a, and it's a belief that you wrote in your book, correct? You, you have a choice over Would, whether, you, whether you drink or not, you have a choice yeah. over But you your book is the only book in modern times that has this ideology. Yeah. So doesn't that teach you something? You tell me what the objective diagnosis is to, to establish the existence of addiction in the human body. It's an obsession of your mind and an allergy of your body. So this is what happens to me. I start thinking about alcohol, I can't stop. I'm in control of the first drink, mm. and so I do all these things to protect myself from not having the first drink. Sure. Mm. But that once I have that case, drink, though. the allergy of the body kicks in. This is all documented mm. alcoholism mm. proof. Mm. Then, I, then I can't stop after that. I mean, I found the, the discussion actually fascinating. It makes um, me smile to see it again. Yeah. I mean, he's actually an engaging guy to be in he the is. same room as. And he, and he wasn't shy as well, which is often not the case with... He was obviously a very uh, smart guy. He was yeah. obviously a very funny very guy because he was not shy at sort of poking fun no, at you. Absolutely um, not. And suggesting that you would stand alone now as the only man with this actual belief That's system. That's right. Yeah, no, um, which, as I pointed out to a few people this morning, I said, well, Peter Hitchens is not unused to being accused of the only man in the room who believes what he believes. <laughs> no, I know. am not, no. It does happen quite a I'm lot. terribly sorry to say that experience tells me that often it's the thing to be. Yes, uh, that, but to develop to, it. To be alone is, 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 is so often the, the, a sign that you're, you're on the right track. Well, I immediately... The mob is always wrong. Yeah, I mean, I do have a sort of... Um, I call it an anti-authoritarian sort of um, bent, whereby if everybody believes one thing, I tend to start believing the other. I don't do it for that reason. I, mean, I just find myself, uh, I wake up in the morning and I develop an opinion and I find that, that, that people are going in the opposite direction and, and this doesn't uh, discourage me. Right. That's the crucial thing. It, it, it's sometimes nice to get support. They generally only get fairly modest support yeah. or anything I say, but it doesn't, it doesn't discourage me when, when, when people mock mm. me. I've been insulted by experts, yeah. going right back to the days of Alistair, Alistair Campbell, who is indeed an expert. Yeah. Uh, and I don't mind uh, that in an argument. It's sometimes I will resort to it myself yeah. because it can be fun right. and it can be educational. But in general, it's a poor way of arguing if you've got any stocks of, of logic or any stocks mm. of facts to use. But what, was, what I was arguing, the reason why the, the, the Perry, Matthew Perry event went viral and, and has continued to do this, partly he referred to it in his memoirs, which he published a couple of years ago, right. uh, and, and partly because it just became more and more and more widely circulated. It's a clash between two fundamentally opposed ideas of morality and philosophy. Yeah. I don't... I, 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 I disparage the idea of addiction because I believe fundamentally that we have free will and choice in what mm. we do. This is not an argument which you can settle. 
Uh, and other people prefer to believe that we don't have yeah. choice and free will and that our actions are determined by forces we can't control. That is a huge argument. It is. Well worth having. And that's what it was. Right. But is it also not right to say that it may not be one or the other, that it could be somewhere in between? This is a conversation I was having earlier on today because, you know, there are certain things that you can become physically addicted to, I believe. For example, nicotine is a very addictive substance. It's not to say that you can't stop smoking. The piece of problem, but, the problem but, but, with... But, but it, is, is there not evidence to suggest that I, there I, are possibilities that you can become addicted to certain things. I have written in a magazine, American magazine called First Things, a long article called The, the Myth of Addiction, uh, which I recommend everybody who wants to get through this. And also I had a clash with somebody who calls himself Citizen Sane on the internet some time ago and persuaded him. The problem with, uh, with addiction is, it, is it's a shapeshifter. Mm. The people who use the word sometimes use it to mean a total uh, unbreakable power, which it has people in, utterly in its grip. Yeah. And then the same people in different conversations will use the word to mean actually something you can resist. It cannot be both. Mm. And the legal system and the medical system increasingly treat people, particularly the users of certain drugs, as if they have no free will, as if they have a disease they can't control. Mm. I think that's actually rather insulting to people who do have diseases such as cancer, which they would gladly give up if yeah. they were able to do. And I also think it doesn't help the people who are, who are taking those drugs. If they're told you're in the grip of an irresistible mm. force, they're not going to stop. You mentioned nicotine. Now, I agree with you. It's, inc it's an incredibly compulsive habit. And those who take up smoking cigarettes are very, very, very hard to give up. Mm. But in my generation, I have found huge numbers of people doing so. So well, I'm if, one of them. If it's, if there is a I'm thing one called, of them, which is why I say it. I mean, there's I a thing called addiction, that, uh, and, and it can also be overcome. Yeah. And it doesn't mean what most people mean when they use it. it this, this is the problem with it. It's, it is, as I say, it's a moral and a philosophical problem, right. which, which people get very angry about for that reason. You're, you're taking sides. How much power do we have over what we do is really what it's yeah. about. How, how much choice... And freedom do we have to decide whether to be good or bad, right. to do wrong or do right? I say an immense amount yes. of choice. And Other people say less, and that's, that, is the, that is the huge difference. Well, I thought what was interesting was what Jeremy Paxman actually interjected in. I know that's probably just a, a, a short clip of, of the entire conversation, but when he said uh, to Matthew Perry, well, surely you are practising willpower right now yes. by not having a drink because otherwise you'd be drinking all the time. Well, there is an answer to this. The pro-addiction people say, well, yes, he, he, what he has done is he's overcome the effect of the addiction, but he is still, in, in fact, addicted. Yes. Uh, which is, again, it's a rather philosophical point, but it is, it is what they say. Right. But sure. And it, it, that, that, is, that, is where it, that is where it goes. That is why to the, the use that people make most of the time in conversation and a lot of the time, as I say, when, when people are dealing with, uh, with cases in court or when doctors are dealing with people who are uh, habitual users of drugs, is to use it as an overpowering force. And in the article in First Things, uh, I quote some interesting people, mm. including Russell Brand, on, on this overpowering force argument. Yes. And it, the, the point about it is you cannot say that. And then, and then accept that people can stop doing it. And it just doesn't work. And I'm surprised right. that more people don't resist. I used to it doesn't know... Help the, it doesn't help the drug taker. No. It doesn't help the smoker, in my view. No. I mean, I gave up smoking after many, many years of having started it when I was about 16 and finally gave it up about um, seven or eight years ago. Yeah. Um, completely cold turkey. I just said, I'm going to stop. Um, and I did. But not everybody can do that. Not and everybody I accept can. That. And I also remember a friend of mine, you might remember him as well, a guy called Mike McDonough, uh, who was a journalist, uh, formerly from the Daily Mail years ago, ended yep. up in America. He was a recovering alcoholic, and he was very much part of that, you know, you're always an alcoholic even when you stop drinking. And he used to have an incredible kind of array of distractions, if you like. 
to stop him from drinking. Like, he would take a very long time to do everything. I'd agree to meet him for breakfast or something in some hotel on the story, and he would take an hour to come down because he said, I have to literally stop people, myself from wanting people, to drink. People do develop methods, yeah. and all credit to them. But the fact but is, they do, they do develop them. Would you and call they, him an and, addict, then, And they not? succeed. And I, and I, I won't name her, but a, a very good friend of mine in journalism drank a great deal for a long time and enjoyed it for a long time, and then she decided it was doing her nothing uh. harm professionally and personally, and she just stopped. Right. Bang. Uh, I've no doubt she resorts to all kinds of, 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 of private methods. She's a, she's, she's a very devout Christian, as it happens, to, a, to, a, to, to avoid returning to it. But she stopped. People can, mm. and it's, it's astonishingly impressive when they do, and I think we should encourage them to do so. And I think telling people you have no power over this doesn't help people to get no. it up. No, and I think a lot of people agree with you on that one. Um, let's talk about Boris Johnson, um, <laughs> our, our least favourite Prime Minister, I suppose you might say, particularly <laughs> when it comes to... There's a long list of uh, least, <laughs> least favourite Prime Ministers um, in my When book. it comes to the Swedish-style approach to the pandemic, according to Peace and Telegraph today... Um, Professor Sinatra Gupta is going to say that he was persuaded by a Swedish expert that lockdowns could be avoided. I've heard different narratives on this because other people have said in the past that actually it was Boris Johnson who overruled the sage advisers and actually ordered the lockdown. I don't know which one is true. I think probably both true. I think he havered and, uh, and, and switched and eventually was overborne by advisers who, uh, who urged him to go hard. I think that his instincts may well have been, I mean, you've met him, I've met mm. him, his instincts may well have been to take the Swedish line. Yeah. He, he, I don't think he's a strong politician. He's not driven by any... Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Particularly strong uh, set of beliefs. Yeah. And so if enough people sit on him, and I think that's what happens, 
uh, then they will they will leave their impressions on him as the head leaves an impression yeah. on a pillow. I think he was just overborne and didn't have the strength to stick to it. In Sweden, the reason why Anders Tegnell was able to resist all this pressure was the constitution didn't allow uh, variable, easily biddable politicians to switch. Right. He was he was Tegnell was in charge and he kept his nerve. Right. Uh, but he wasn't a politician. And they gave ultimately a scientist. They gave businesses like restaurants the opportunity, if they wished to, to shut. Sure, but, well, that's but a free they country. Didn't make them. That's what a free country does. Right. And that's what free countries ought to do. And they were the, the Swedes were deeply distressed when Britain went down the path of Chinese compulsion, because they had relied on us, as it were, as, mm. the, as the home of, of, of freedom under the law in Europe, to be the leaders in in having a, a sensible view. And they they didn't like not having any mm. powerful allies. And as you said, aside from the inflationary spiral of madness that we entered as a result of all the money that got thrown around, um, I would say that our society has quite irrevocably changed in the sense of, um, you know, people are now less willing to work, much less willing to go to a place to work, much less um, concerned about work than they ever were. You I mean, feel it all the time. People have been off work for a long time are now struggling to get back into it. You feel it all the time, the absence of people... I was in a, a restaurant the other night where it was obvious they were struggling because they simply didn't have enough staff. Yeah. And how can that be? Right. People need jobs, but they're just not going to work. Travel, travel to work uh, as a commuter to London on Friday, mm. and you travel alone. Yeah. There's hardly anybody there. Well, I thought on it would be busy term, on the roads. It's, 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 well, I thought it would be busy on the roads this morning, the first day back to school yeah. for everybody. Yeah. Um, and it was deserted. The streets were absolutely deserted. It's the, the, the work habits which were inculcated in this country during the Industrial Revolution were dealt a very considerable blow yeah. during that period. I think I'm they've gone. not sure we're recovering. No, I think they've gone. And I think there's a generation of people, if you consider, I mean, I've, I've brought this one to you before, I think, uh, when I discovered the new form of queuing at a bar um, where people because I'm told this is the reason, uh, sort of became of age, came of drinking age during the years of COVID, you walk to a bar now and you see a line of people standing one behind the other. <laughs> and I was going, sorry, what's this? And I realised they were all youngish people, 20-somethings. Yeah, and, they hadn't um, been, they and I just went round the side and went to the bar and said, excuse me, you know, thank you very much, and they served me. And I got these sort of glares at me. You know, they were queuing as if they were in a coffee shop. I'm like, no, you stand yeah, in the bar. Yeah. Well, I don't know, maybe it's, maybe it's all for the best. I don't know. It it's not. It was a bit... No. Um, it, it, it could, if, you, if you were on the wrong side of that system, you could stand there for hours being Well, annoyed. that's how you had to get good at it, though. What well, you did, you know, didn't you, yes. This is like the conversations I'm currently having with, with my son at university to say, look, I'm not going to keep giving you money because you've run out of it. You're supposed to know how to to manage the money that you're being given. Oh, That's how it works. Well, we'll see how long that policy... Yeah, or Uber boy, as I now call him. <laughs> yeah. I said, look, take an Uber if you need to. Um, he's now taking, like, an Uber every single time he goes anywhere. So we're going to have to have a conversation. But, yeah, I mean... Well, you see, but because the government has now actually declared that money does, in fact, grow on trees... Yeah. Uh, you can't really turn to your children yeah. and say money doesn't grow. No, because they'll think... Obviously, because obviously they'll it think, does. Well, well if, obviously, if I can't go to work, the government will just pay me to stay at home. Well, this is what's coming, isn't it? The guaranteed income, whatever it is. Oh, yeah, the universal basic income. The universal income, yeah. basic income. What a nightmare that will be. It let's will talk... be. Fortunately, I'll be dead, but it, it is coming. Well, let's talk about uh, the education system, because you wrote about Ofsted uh, yeah. this week uh, in, in the mail, um, uh, saying that... Uh, likening um, the uh, former chief inspector of schools to Sir Gerald Ratner... Uh, destroying his own products. Well, it's extraordinary. Here's this man, it's Michael Wilshaw, one of the great headmasters of our age, who then became chief inspector of schools. And he's turned around and said, all these offset verdicts, that schools are outstanding or good, they're just not true. Mm. And I thought it was, it really did remind me of Gerald Ratner yeah. and, and, and his, his announcement. If, if Michael Wilshaw, who's who, been one of the people most deeply involved in the development of, of, uh, of Ofsted, actually turns around and says, 
these these things are not true. These things, by the way, on which millions of house prices yes. depend, because people people buy houses on the basis of school being rated outstanding or good. All this isn't true. And he said, when I see these verdicts, I need to. I wonder whether I ought to have gone to Specsavers. Uh, you should read the thing. It's extraordinary denunciation of, of of what everybody has relied on. I, I thought, what a moment. That the person, one of the people right at the centre of this, who really knows schools, who really knows inspection, says this, that the whole Ofsted thing is not to be relied on. Well, what is there then? And it, it seems to me to be the end of 60 years of pretending yes. uh, that you can make comprehensive schools work. Mm. You can't. No. It's, but they they, will, ne- though, they will never work. The only way you can make them work at all is actually to make them selective. And the way you make them selective in, in modern Britain is by excluding the poor from them. Yes, well, exactly. Uh, Which is is disgusting. We'll come back to that. Uh, I've got a bit of breaking news, and it involves Just Stop Oil. Apparently, uh, there's a bunch of Just Stop Oil protesters marching around Parliament Square, uh, apparently asking for the government to immediately halt all new oil, gas and coal projects in the UK. Uh, They've started arresting them, apparently, which is a good idea. The police began making arrests. They've arrested 65 people. Um, Officers have dragged peaceful Just Stop Oil protesters across the pavement, kneeling and sitting on them. To detain them. I presume these are the people who haven't been able to bring themselves to do that to any of the pro-Palestine demonstrators who are clambering around you, you, uh, on statues all, all, you do all the have to, You do have to wonder, don't you? But <laughs> I the, the police are a great mystery. I, I think I'm, I'm going to start a, an organisation called Just Stop Glue. Yes. I just stop talking absolute and utter cold. Oh, no, 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 that, that will I mean, never work. That will never work. Because the thing about Ofsted, and I was going to say, I, I liken it to um, the way that they set targets for things like the police answering the phone. Yeah. And if you remember, they did this a few years ago. Um, they said, you know, the trouble is it's taking too long for 999 calls to be answered um, and for them to be... So we're going to speed that up. Uh, so they immediately got people to answer the call and then they put you on hold. But then... But the call uh, has technically The call answered. was technically answered similar, very quickly. Similar, similar, ha- similar to Ofsted. Similar things happened on the railways. The timetables are padded with vast amounts of time so trains are never actually late. It's all the fulfilment of Hitchens' first rule of public life, which is all politically significant statistics are fiddled. Yes. It's absolutely to be guaranteed. It's absolutely true. All you need to do is find out how they're being fiddled, but they always are. I made a discovery, funnily enough, about Ofsted when my kids were still at primary school quite a few years back, when it it became clear that uh, the way to get a number one Ofsted um, sort of grading is not necessarily to be academically brilliant, but to do all the things that tick all the right boxes. For example, um, multiculturalism. You know, trips to um, to Hindu temples, trips to mosques, trips to um, you know different communities will get you a higher Ofsted recommendation uh, than having loads of really, really uh, intelligent teachers teaching really interesting things. I fear this may well be true. It is true, and I think that that's the, yeah. what is going on in our schools. I did I addressed a, a conference at the weekend about my book on grammar schools. And what I noticed was the number of people who stood up and said, well, what do I, what do I think about homeschooling? And I said, well, I, if you were a parent who wasn't a millionaire, mm. uh, then it must begin to be a, an option which many will want to take. When, you, when you, the schools are full of both low-standard education and indoctrination, right. uh, how are you going to raise your children to know anything and mm. think for themselves? And homeschooling is an enormous movement, as you'll know, in the United yeah, States. Absolutely. It's never really taken off here in the same way. But I wonder if actually, especially once Keir Starmer, if he, if he becomes prime minister, makes it almost impossible for anyone but the super rich yeah. to use private schools, I wonder right. whether it isn't due for a takeoff. Well, this is it. And I mean, I think Keir Starmer's in, a bit of a, in between a bit of a rock and a hard place at the moment because he's struggling to kind of decide what he believes in. Well, 
I'm sure he believes in all kinds of things, but what he fundamentally believes in at the moment is, is, is that he wants to win the election. Yes. Therefore, he, he's been told he mustn't do anything risky. Right. And this is actually a very risky strategy. Yeah. Because the man who tries to... can't not do anything Well, risky. the man who tries to please everybody, yeah. particularly on the, on the Middle Eastern issue, will end up pleasing nobody. Mm. He has to have a firm line of it of his own, whatever it is, yes. and to stick to it. His problem is he thought he had a firm line and then he found he couldn't stick to it, so right. he gave way, revealed himself to be weak. Yeah. In my view, too weak to be prime minister. Yeah. And well, you see from Johnson's performance over COVID what happens when you've got a weak prime minister. Yeah. And well, people Stephen may Pollard, spot this. Stephen Pollard wrote a piece in the Mail last week, didn't he, saying this, this will define what sort of leader Keir Starmer yeah. will be. And it's already defined him as not a very good one. I think the point it's, is he I doesn't have any conviction, so he can't say what he believes. No, he can't. He can only say what he thinks he should say. Yeah, well, maybe he doesn't even have beliefs on that at all. I know he has strong beliefs on some things because in, in, in his past there is lots of evidence of it, but I'm not sure about that. Yeah. But undoubtedly it's true that if you want to be prime minister, then you must be decisive mm. about what course you wish to pursue. Yeah. You can't be on two sides of an argument. You have to say, this is, is where I stand. This is what I yes. did. You can't be Groucho, but he's already Groucho now. Marx and say, these are my principles. Right. And if you don't like them, I have I've had others, yeah. It does well, won't this, work. This is the trouble. He's already now driven himself into this kind of cul-de-sac of no hopery. Because whatever he now does, whether he sticks to his guns and decides that Israel still has the right to withhold all manner of things from Gaza, or whether he changes his mind, I think he's, he's hold below the waterline, isn't you, he? You cannot say anything on the Middle East without being unpopular with some people. And in my case, you really can't say it without being unpopular with almost everybody. Yeah. I mean, I, for instance, I am very much in support of, of, of Israel's existence, uh, but I absolutely oppose and condemn the bombardment of Gaza. Mm. So what happens is the pro-Israel people write to me and say I'm some kind of pro-Hamas pro, uh, traitor. Right. And pro-Arab... And pro, uh, people write to me and say, we don't believe you. Yeah. So it doesn't do any good. But this is my yeah. position. I think it's the most extraordinary thing. That we, when Hamas attacked on October the 7th, uh, there, Israel could simply have turned to the world and pointed to the, to the, to the blood and the dead bodies and said, look, this, our opponents aren't, don't actually disagree with us about, about how much land we occupy or what sort of state we are. They hate us yes. in a racially bigoted way. Yeah. And they want to kill us. And here it is. And they could have sat there and pointed to that over and over again until it sank in. But instead, they launched an attack on Gaza, and what's everybody talking about now? They're talking about the deaths of children in Gaza, and they've forgotten yeah. what happened on October the 7th. Well, I was saying... A complete, a, a, a hugely important moment uh, of explaining to the world what this is really about was, was lost, and it amazes me. But that is the thing, isn't so. it? Because we've already seen around the world an incredibly anti-Semitic reaction to what has been going on. And I'm really quite... I mean, maybe I shouldn't be surprised, but I'm quite shocked by that. It is a terrible thing. It lingers in the world. But it, it, for most of the time, anti-Semitism in the modern world hides behind uh, charming masks and facades. And there are many people who are against Israel who are not anti-Semites. Mm. And indeed, there are many Israelis who are profoundly against the state of Israel and deeply critical of it. And, and good, it's one of the glories of Israel that it has such strong opposition to its own government. So you can't say that, that anti-Zionism anti is anti-Semitism. Mm. That would be false. But there are, on the other hand, quite a lot of people who hide anti-Semitism behind anti-Zionism. And I think that uh, they, they've now been licensed yeah. uh, to, 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 to attack Israel in a way that mm. I think is fundamentally selective. And wrong. There are many countries that do bad and wrong things, uh, but they don't get criticised in the way that Israel No, does. I couldn't agree more. Peter, thanks very much indeed. Thank you. Peter Hitchens, back, of course. Uh,
on the Mail on Sunday at the weekend and hopefully back on our uh, new show uh, coming up in the evening. Looking forward to it. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.